Hello and welcome to Bereaved Motherhood and All It Entails. I'm your host, Mackenzie, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to respond when people say cliche statements or try to understand your grief by comparing it to something that it's completely uncomparable to and how we respond and how we can educate them so that they learn how to better support those that are grieving. So we've all had the experience, the experience where we share our loss and someone says something to the extent of, oh, I know how you feel. Our family pet died last year and it was just so hard. Or, oh, you know, my sister had a miscarriage when she was eight weeks pregnant. Or, oh, yeah, you know... That's really unfortunate. Have you thought about having another baby? Have you considered adoption? Or, you know, have you considered getting yourself a pet? Pets can be really helpful. Or, you know, oh, my great aunt Lizzie has a reborn doll. That might really help you. Why don't you go get one of those? Um, Or something like, well, you know, it just wasn't your time. Or at least, you know, you can get pregnant. Or, well, you know, God just needed another angel. Or some silly comment that is truly only offensive and provides zero comfort. I think we all have had these experiences. For some reason, when a child is born and passes away, I think regardless as if they were stillborn or if they just never made it home from the hospital, I think the outs- to the outside world, that person isn't real because they never met them, they never had a relationship with them, and so it's really easy to just kind of discredit and to dehumanize that person, because in that individual's mind, it's like they didn't count. They weren't around long enough, they didn't know them, they didn't have that relationship with them, all those types of things. And so I think for other people, they may really be trying to offer some advice or trying to relate to you. And the best they have is the loss of a pet or a family member's miscarriage or, you know, a grandparent that passed away or something like that. And although all those things are sad and we're allowed to grieve for any type of loss. There's not rules on grieving or how much or little you can or can't feel or grieve. Um, The fact of the matter is, is it's not realistic to say that every loss produces the same intensity um, and, and, and the same severity of grief. It's just not. And I'm not here to get into the grief comparison game. I don't really think it's helpful. Um, we've all had different experiences and we've never had each other's experiences. Um, never our exact experience. We might have similar experiences where we can better relate and understand and all, the, and all those types of things. Um, and I also think often, regardless of your grief, people are constantly looking to be validated. So they want to compare their grief to something that maybe they feel like society thinks is more severe um, as a way for them to feel you know, accepted and understood and validated. 
And so I think there can be a lot of different things that go into play as to why people make comments like this. And I think sometimes maybe it really is coming from a good place and this is just all they got. Other times I think um, the death of children, I don't think, I know that the death of children make people horrifically uncomfortable. And so I think they end up kind of ramblingly saying something that's just silly and hurtful and something that really doesn't even make sense. Um, but I think it's really important that we address these really common used cliches because we're all going to hear them. And so when we hear them, how do we respond? And of course, depending on you, your personality, the current situation, there can be a variety of ways to respond. And one's not right. Another one isn't um, wrong. It's not like there's a right or wrong answer for this. It's a very personal decision. And you have to think of who you are, your situation, who you're talking to, and all these things. But I do think that us as lost moms really should band together to become better advocates for other lost moms and for our children. And just as a way to kind of educate society and say, you know what? No, whenever someone is elderly and they pass away, society doesn't come up to them and be like, well, you know, it's okay that your grandmother died or that your grandfather died. You had a lot of years of them. So it's all good. It's really fine. You know, that's just that. Nobody assumes that you can just get a new grandparent because everybody knows you can't. Um, I understand that a person can have many children. You can have a house full of kids, theoretically. I get that. But one person will never replace another person. I mean, you could potentially have a step-grandparent. You could have your spouse's grandparents. But your spouse's grandparents aren't your grandparents. So they don't replace your grandmother or your grandfather when they pass away. A step-grandparent doesn't replace your personal grandparents. Like, one person can't replace another person regardless of who they are. And I think we understand that as human beings. And so we don't say that kind of thing when an older person passes away. Even when someone's marriage ends in divorce, it's not like people are going up and, you know, the common thing is, well, you know, it's okay. You can just get married again. And although that's a very true statement that, yes, you can be married as many times as you want to. Um, that's not going to help the emotions of a particular marriage ending and the feelings that go along with that. So again, I don't really understand why that's a socially acceptable thing to tell a grieving parent, but for whatever reason as a whole society thinks it is. And so I think it's really important that when someone makes any type of comment about, you know, well, you can have another one or anything that kind of infers that our children are replaceable, that we just are on his back and be like, yeah, you know, I might be able to have another child, but they will never replace the one that passed away. You know, my baby can't come back. So unless you're a miracle worker, unless you can, you know, raise the dead, then that's not really going to help me. And you can also say like, just because you have a baby one time doesn't mean you're going to have a baby again. I mean, secondary infertility is very real. Some people really struggle to get pregnant the first time. Some people went to extreme, extreme measures to conceive, and that's just not a guarantee it's going to happen again. And, you know, for other people, age can become a factor. There can be other factors that can prevent someone from having more children. So just that assumption of, well, you can get pregnant again is, is poor. And so I think it's okay also to remind people of that, that, you know what? I don't know what the future holds. 
you know, maybe some women don't want to get pregnant again. After that experience, it's like, you know what, enough is enough. I can't risk this. I can't go through this again. And so it might not even be an issue of can I or can't I get pregnant? I know after I lost my son, my biggest fear wasn't not being able to get pregnant again, but it was, is all my children going to die? Will I fill up a cemetery compared to filling my home with children? That was my big fear. Um, I lost my first child. So at that point, my only experience with having children was that they die. So to me, there was no guarantee, there was no assurance whatsoever that I would ever bring a living child home. So comments like that were just very, I found to be hurtful and very insensitive. So I do think it's okay if we make, um, you know, obviously in a kind way, in a gracious way, I'm not advocating being a jerk to others or being demeaning. But if we say something to the effect of, you know what, you know, my baby is irreplaceable, they're one of a kind and, um, you know, having more children isn't necessarily a guarantee. And even if we do, it will never fill the hole that was left by the passing of my son or daughter. And you can say that in a very nice, respectful way, but in a way that really brings it home and helps educate that person. So hopefully that person doesn't go on to hurt another grieving parent. Um, When people make comments about God and he needed another angel more or, you know, he or your baby, he or she must have been too perfect for earth. So, you know, God picked them back up. Those are all just silly, silly statements that make no sense. Um, If you are someone who believes in God, which I am, God's a big guy. He doesn't need our children in heaven. It's not like he can't function without them. So that doesn't even make sense. And it's just silly. Um and provide zero comfort. So not at all something I would recommend. Um, you know, and, and obviously there's a variety of ways to handle that. You know, I also will make comments like, yeah, you know, God can do whatever he wants, but it doesn't always mean that I'm going to understand it or, you know, yeah, you know, God's God, but we also live in a fallen sinful world where terrible things happen and tragedies occur on a daily basis. And, um, you know, that's just a part of life in this world. So it doesn't help me when I fall on the side of tragedy. You know, there's a lot of different ways that you can respond. And so depending on you, your personal beliefs, your background, who's talking to you, you know, that can really um, help determine how you frame that conversation or discussion. And then, you know, when people compare your loss to their pet, you know, I think it's fine to admit that, yeah, losing a pet can be really, really hard. They become a member of the family. Absolutely. Um, they can be a great companion. You know, there's a reason that dogs are called man's best friend. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, a pet isn't your child. And so it's a very unfair comparison. And I think explaining that and and showing how different they are in a respectful way, again, of course, is actually really helpful and a good reminder that like, yeah, you know, I've lost pets too. And it's nothing like losing my child. This is totally different. You know, pets are replaceable. You can go and you can get another pet. Now I get it. It's not going to be the same pet that passed. I 100% understand that, but a pet is on a different level than a, than your human child is. Or if somebody tells you, you know, oh, well, you know, you just should volunteer and be around babies more. You need to be around your nieces and nephews more and more involved and invested in their life. It's okay to be like, you know what, being around other people's children, being around pregnant women, being around babies, 
hearing babies cry or coo or whatever, I find that to be very traumatizing and very triggering. And mentally, I'm not in a place to handle that. So I would never want to surround myself with what just reinforces my own personal loss and like what I'm missing out on in my child's life. And I, you know, wouldn't want to torture somebody else. And likewise, I wouldn't want to torture myself with that. And to put myself in those situations, whether it be friends, kids or family's kids, you know, that's just a type of torture and we should not have to subject ourselves to that, you know, just because somebody else thinks it would be good for us or because there's outside pressures. Um, you know, it's important to stand up for yourself in those times when it's something is really affecting your own mental health and well-being. And so, you know, you can make comments like that, you know, for the miscarriage thing, obviously that's a huge realm. Um, again, there's so many different stories. I would never want to, downplay the sadness of experiencing a miscarriage. I know that can be really devastating and can be just really an emotional time and process with everything that goes on there and get that there can be complications and side effects. And, um, so yeah, that can go down in just so many different ways. So I think showing compassion and, you know, telling somebody how sorry you are that they've experienced that and, um, you know, validating their loss because it is still the loss of their child, even if it's much, much earlier on, you know, I think something like that is fine. I think it's also fine to be like, you know, as sad and tragic and awful as miscarriage is, 25% of pregnancies end in miscarriage. So there's a one in, you know, what's one in four. So there's a large miscarriage community and you can talk about, and it's in today's day and age, it's talked about a lot. There's a lot of awareness around miscarriage. And so there's definitely a community and support for that. Whereas the public has not gotten on board with that when it comes to stillbirth or infant loss, that is just too much. We're going to, you know, put it behind the door. So I think that depending on who's telling you that and this and that, you can either just not respond or you can, you know, offer your condolences. You can, you know, say that you're sorry. You can also say that, you know, the loss of the loss that you've experienced, although there's similarities to a miscarriage, it's also quite different. And I think that somebody that who's, when someone's had a miscarriage, they don't always understand just how different of an experience that is. Um, I think all of us that have had children know that yes, you get very excited when you, um, you know, get a positive pregnancy test, but it's hard to truly, truly bond with the baby when you're not showing, when you can't feel the baby move, when you don't hear the baby's heartbeat, it's more of that stage, like, am I really pregnant? Is there really a baby in there? It's more of the, like, hard to believe, is this real or not real? Now, you might feel really sick and crappy, and so you're like, yeah, something's going on, but just the realness of it is very different compared to when you're far along, when you know your baby's patterns, you've learned their personality, because children begin to show their personality in, their, in the womb, you know, you can play with them. The father can feel the baby. You hear the heartbeat again and again. You have your whole house ready for this baby. You have clothes in the dresser. You have the bassinet set up. You potentially have the car seat installed, all these types of things. Um, and then at the end of the day, you still have to go through labor and delivery. You still have to go through postpartum. You know, you experience the three full trimesters. You experience the fourth trimester. Um, you go to the hospital, you deliver a baby, but you walk out empty handed. And that just in and of itself is a different experience. Um, regardless if the child died, you know, in utero there at the end of pregnancy, or if they died, you know, shortly after birth, or even at the NICU, um, coming home empty handed 
with the house totally ready for a baby, you know, you now have to go through things and clean things out as if they had passed after coming home. You still have all their toys, all their clothes, all that type of stuff. You have their room, all these things that now you have to make decision decisions with and you have to go through everything. Um, you potentially have a bunch of shower gifts. Um, so that can just be, you know, that's a different, that's a difference in, in the two losses. Um, and so depending again, who said it, you can figure out like the best way to respond to that. I'm usually one that just kind of smiles and nods and I don't really say anything. I don't endorse their statement, but I also don't refute it. Um, I will say that was one that really, really, I found to be very triggering and very upsetting to me personally. Um, just because I heard it so many times just because so many women experience it. And again, it's awful and it's sad, but there is a community there. There is awareness around it. Whereas, you know, I wasn't having all these women telling me about their, their stillbirths or telling me about their infants that passed away. Like that was the anomaly. That was not the norm. And so I think it honestly, when people would tell me about their miscarriage, it just made me feel more and more alone because it was like, yeah, what I experienced is so rare that I felt like I was the only one in the world, like that there wasn't a community, certainly not of people I actually knew. So when I would meet someone or someone would tell me, oh, this happened to my sister or this happened to a friend of mine or whoever, um, I was much more interested in that because it was like, wow, that's a real person that like there's this connection through. And so I would want to hear about that and kind of, you know, connect with them because it gave me community. And so you know, you can talk about things like that, but I, I just think it's important, um, to address all these cavalier statements that I think are intended to cheer us up. I think they're intended for good, but they're just very uneducated. They're very unaware statements. And, um, I do think it's important if we're going to bring awareness to stillbirth and infant loss, if we're going to try to change the culture and the way people respond and view this, that we address these types of things and that we don't just allow ourselves to become a doormat. Now, I recognize there are certain certain circumstances where it's just not worth the fight and the energy and you just want out and you're not even in the head space to deal with it. Um, and I think that's totally, totally fine. Um, and very understandable. Uh, but I do think when we are given those opportunities, it is important to address them to some degree or another, just so that as a team working together, we can begin to kind of change the tide and we're doing it for our children. We're doing it for our own health and we're doing it for the other bereaved moms that are out there that are going to join this club. Um, and as we educate people, you know, we could even potentially be educating somebody that this is in their future and, you know, that can be really helpful or we could be educating someone that this is in their close family or friends future so now they're better equipped on how to help them when this happens to them so that's one reason i'm just so in for advocating for standing up for ourselves and for really hitting these cavalier heartless ignorant statements on top of the head you know when people say something like well at least you have other children i my response is well which one of your children would you want to die Cause you know, it's okay. You have others and they're going to look at you horrified. Like how in the world could you say that to me? That's my baby. You know, I would, and it's like, yeah, well, that's what you just told me. You just told me it's okay because I have other children. But when you flip it back on them, 
they don't like that. And so I think it's good for people to hear like what they're, what's actually coming out of their mouth, what they're actually telling you, because when they hear it back, they don't like that message at all. And so it might be awkward, you know, um, it can be a little difficult that I'm typically very much the people pleasing type. So it's not in my nature, but after hearing these types of things again and again and again, it would just make my blood boil and make me so mad and really bring out that mama bear instinct in me where I became much more direct with people. Again, I wasn't rude. I did it in a respectful way, but I was blunt. And I think that there's a great place for that. And we're the best people to educate others because we've actually been through it. We actually get it. We haven't just read about it in a book. Um, like a potential psychiatrist, psychologist, counselor has, you know, we actually have lived this out. We understand it. Um, and so we're the best teachers out there. And so another reason why I'm so avid for why we address these things, why we don't just take the pain and leave, um, because we're fighting for ourselves, we're fighting for our children, and we're fighting for this other community of moms. And I think that's really, really important. You know, you can always kind of give some advice about, you know what, instead of saying that, something like this is really, really helpful and kind of explaining the why. And again, when you do that lovingly and caring in a caring way and in a respectful way, people tend to be much more receptive to it. Um, again, I understand that that might be an easier conversation to have with a family member or a friend or someone closer to you than, you know, the random stranger in Walmart. Um, and that's where it is important to look at who you are, your personality as a person, the situation, how much time you have, how much energy emotionally, physically that you have and want to put into this. And then you kind of make those calls. I'm not saying every time someone says something stupid, you address it. But I do think if we made that more of a priority, that it would really help this community and help us better defend ourselves and help kind of better bring awareness. Yes, no one's going to truly understand it unless they walk through it those that walk next to somebody very closely walking through it, they're going to have a better idea than most. Um, but truly the only way to understand is to actually, you know, be in these shoes. Um, but regardless, it's still important to educate. It's still important to bring awareness. And so that's my encouragement to you, you know, find it within yourselves to stand up for yourself, stand up for your own emotional health. Oftentimes it can be hard at first, but then as you do it, you really begin to kind of build up to it and you feel really proud of yourself. Like, yeah, I did that. I stood up for me. I stood up for my kid. And, you know, this isn't something that's okay. And I'm not just going to sit by and listen to it because that used to be me. And then I would cry on the way home or I would cry at night because so-and-so had said this and I found it so upsetting. And people do still sometimes say things that I find to be upsetting and I just keep my mouth sealed because it's not worth it. It's not an appropriate time and place. But, um, you know, I still, three years out, still have comments and things that get to me. So I think it's really important to address these things. And even though it can be a little awkward in the long run, it'll make you feel better. And it, all it can do is good. You know, it can't do harm. And so that's a good place to be as well. So bereaved motherhood and all it entails is going to be going on a short summer break, just needing some time to recharge. We've had a lot going on in our life. We've been having, um, a cross country move and, so there's just selling a house, trying to get a new house, packing stuff up, moving literally half across the country has just been an enormous or ordeal, starting new employment. Um, and so we are going to be taking a break from uploading new episodes. Do not worry. The podcast is not over. It will be coming back. 
um, in September. So we will definitely post a little announcement to um, keep your eyes and ears out, um, a reminder. But the first Friday in um, September, our goal is to have um, our first episode of season two produced coming we started recording last August so it's been almost a year um, we haven't taken any breaks but just with everything going on in my own personal life and my family's life um, it's just not a conducive time to be recording and uploading while I'm trying to pack my house and move across the country and buy a new home and unpack and all of that so um, it'll be good to take a break for personal reasons. I think it'll also be good to just take some time to think about it, to kind of recharge. I feel like we've had a great season one. And so I'm looking forward to season two, but to just have that little kind of, you know, recharge time between the two seasons will be really good for me, which will be good for the podcast. Um, and then we will start up again. So our hope is the first Friday of September. That could be a little bit in the air, depending on how things with the move go and how quick we can get into our new setup. Um, but definitely some point in September, we will um, put out a video kind of as a sneak peek of what to look forward to in season two and when it will officially drop once we know that for sure. Um, but definitely keep your eyes and ears planned start coming in September. We will be back and we look forward to being with you again. Um, until that time, always again, know my inbox is open. I love hearing from you guys. This is a great community. I hope this is a place of support, a place you feel comfortable sharing and give me ideas. What do you want to hear talked about in season two? This is your podcast. So let me know what you want to hear talked about. And also if you want to share your story, October is, you know, infant loss, and um, Pregnancy Loss Awareness Month. So I love to feature some stories in the month of October. So if you have a story you want to share, please, please, please reach out um, and we can get that set up to come out in October. Um, and then again, if you just want to connect, I'm here for that as well. We can't thank you enough for being here. If you haven't already, rate our show, give us a review. It just really helps the, um, the system and the way that they promote shows and suggest them to other people. So if you enjoy us, please rate us, please review us. And we, again, can't thank you enough for a successful season one, for being a part of this. Um, it means the world to us and know that you guys, as always, are in my heart, you're in my prayers, you're on my mind, and that will not change throughout these couple months off. Um, one reason we're taking, I'm taking this time is to just kind of recharge and really be back ready and force to start season two. So again, thank you. Episodes will drop every Friday, 12 a.m. Eastern, or sorry, 3 a.m. Eastern, 12 a.m. Pacific time. That will not change. That will continue. Um, and we look forward to gathering back with you. We hope that you have a restful rest of your summer, um, that you can do some enjoyable things, you know, that you can, um, be gracious to yourself in this time of loss and in this time of difficulty. And we look forward to reconnecting here in just a few months. So talk to you soon. And until then, check the old episodes, see if you've missed anything, um, send us some emails, and um, we'll be back shortly. <laughs>